Welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode. Every couple of weeks or so, our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, get together for a roundtable discussion. So here's a few minutes for free so you can see what all the fuss is about. The part that stuck out to me, and that was kind of what you hit upon, Jay, was when they were talking about, I forget who they were moving to impeach. You know which portion I'm talking about? Earl Warren, the chief chief justice under the the one time the Supreme Court was actually liberal, it was the Warren Court. So the quote that I pulled was William F. Buckley, who opposed the impeachment as a tactic against the Warren Court, nonetheless infamously wrote in the 1957 that the advanced white race in the South was justified in taking quote, such measures as are necessary to prevail politically and culturally in areas where, quote, it does not predominate numerically. And that reminded me of a conversation Jay and I had about uh, the majority report clip that had Tucker Carlson admitting, I forget if it was Ben Shapiro's show or Dave Rubin. Dave Dave Rubin. Rubin. Yeah, where he admitted that, like, yes, he's lied, but it's okay but how awful is it <laughs> that you, and I think that's also what Jay and I were kind of pointing to, that you have to lie to get to your point. What does that say about your point? Mm-hmm. Because I've never had to lie to make my point because right. <laughs> the truth is on your side. My point is valid. Yeah. <laughs> it, it works so well that the story about Tucker Carlson admitting on a podcast that he lies isn't a big story. Most people haven't heard that. Most people won't hear that he said that because the media is so cowed by right-wing forces that they won't bring that up. Can you imagine if, I don't know, any like supposedly left-wing, if Rachel Maddow said on, you know, Sam Cedar's podcast, oh yeah, I lie. That would be talked about every single day. Eight hours a day on Fox News. She'd lose her job. Probably for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, and we should point out, though, in that clip, he is accusing liberals of lying through media. And it's that, like, finger pointing. That's why he has to do it. Projection. <laughs> no, it, it's perfectly in line beca- because he is describing his own line in the context of a question that presumes that all of their critics lie all the time mm-hmm. on purpose for nefarious reasons. And his response is, well, you know, I lie too sometimes, but I try not to. And that's why I'm so much better than the left, which makes him perfectly in line with the conservative movement going back to the 40s, which brings us straight to McCarthyism. Mm-hmm. Although popularly remembered today as a drunken punchline discredited by crusading journalists like Edward R. Murrow in the 1950s, McCarthy is actually an important figure in the development of American conservatism. Almost every major conservative journalist and politician in the 1950s defended him. Senator Barry Goldwater voted against McCarthy's censure in 1954. Conservative radio pundit Fulton Lewis defended McCarthyism in his broadcast even after the senator's death. William F. Buckley was no exception. He went to the bat for McCarthy in the 1954 book, McCarthy and His Enemies. 
Buckley applauded McCarthy for recognizing that, quote, coercive measures were necessary to enforce a new anti-communist, quote, conformity, unquote. And then and later in the article, it talks about how Buckley was still defending McCarthy in the late 90s, writing books. I think it was called The Red Hunter or something like that. Not subtle. Right. See, conservatives know how to not be subtle, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Actually, this... So I didn't think about this before, and I, I don't want to... I don't want us to go, go on a whole tangent, but I do want to just bring up, we've been talking kind of behind the scenes about the Haitian immigrants at the border and the like brutal assault by our border patrol and the story around that and how all the headlines that came out were that border patrol agents were whipping Haitian immigrants at the border and there was a whole conversation about whips and were they whips and does it matter if there were whips that they were using them as such and, you know, on, on, on. And I fell pretty firmly on the side of being frustrated that the media was getting it wrong and not wrong, inaccurate, let's say inaccurate. And it really bothered me. <laughs> I think I got some pushback from, from some family who were talking about it with them and like, why do you care about that? What does it matter? The right is out there bald face lying all the time to get what they want. Like, so we didn't get it exactly right. Why are you all hung up on that? And I'm hung up on that because I don't want to be like that. <laughs> there is, like Aaron said, the truth is always on our side. Rarely is it not. And what was happening at the border was still awful and ridiculously horrific and should be like called out and you know, dismantled immediately. But what we all got hung up on was, was it a whip or wasn't it? I believe in journalism. I thought I was going to go into journalism as a career until print media died in a, you know, <laughs> really amazing explosion of, of bad business models. But I want it to work. Like it's, it's the only thing we have to try to get us all on the same page as a society, to try to protect democracy in some way. Like, that's really the only tool. If we don't get it right, if we let it continue to be this corporate bullshit where people are just trying to get famous on TV and not actually deliver any delivering any information to anybody that's worthwhile, then what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And keep in mind that the, the cause of so much bad journalism is the business models that there is more emphasis on being first than right. And so people are trying to pump out content so quickly that they make mistakes. I think the Haitian immigrant in the border story was such a great example of why original reporting matters, why fact-checking matters. Like, geez, it can completely derail the narrative that is true and needs attention completely derail it. So I just don't want to, I don't have any desire to even be seen in any way as the side that lies because it's justifying, you know, the ends justify the means because we have the truth on our side. And by comparison, when, as we are vociferously describing the left's desire to not lie like the right, the right, when talking about communists, had this to say, organization is the genius of communism, 
And so an anti-communist program needs organization, just as communists operate through a great number of front organizations, each of which is tuned to some specific motivating dynamic. So must every religious, professional, economic, and cultural group adopt this model to organize an anti-communist program. Just put it out there. This is how we believe communism works. I think we're so organized. So we are going to create front groups that do not do what they claim to do, but are really just fronts for fighting communism. It's that projection. (laughs) This is what we want to do. So we'll accuse you of already doing it. That way we can do it under that guise. Because again, anything that we do is justified by the end goal, I guess. Well, it's another one of those things where I made a like a broader connection. That's our foreign policy in a nutshell, right? We have to go bomb these people because they're they're violent and they're going to attack us. So we have to kill them because they're violent and they're savages. And I mean, it's that mindset in this, you know, these conservative groups that permeates throughout the government. Conservatives run the government as much as we would like to think that, you know, we are having some say, but the way the government functions, the way our society functions, this is a conservative society. This is, you know, we aren't organized. We are very separated and isolated. And that works great. If you're trying to get people pumped up with fear and misinformation, if we were actually as organized as they thought we were, this stuff wouldn't work as well. But the divide and conquer seems to be working pretty well. And maybe that's why this is ramping up again. Like I, maybe it goes through through waves because right now it does seem like people are starting to organize. It does seem like people are starting to wake up a little bit. You know, there are multiple different giant corporations that might have strikes, have organizations walk out. Like the, it's in mm-hmm. Hollywood, it's in John Deere, Kellogg. it's, you know. Yeah. Kellogg, yeah, exactly. So when these movements start to ramp up and they start to get more aggressive, it is because I think people genuinely do want to form community. They do want to form groups. That's kind of human nature. They're fighting against human nature. Eventually, they'll probably lose. But right now, they are very organized. And their tactics that they have to justify because we're savages or we're angry they're pretty savage. They're pretty angry. And I don't know how to fight against that other than, I guess, the opposite. Like Amanda said, don't be like that. Don't be that way. We we should never be that way. When we start to become like that, then we're just them. Then they still win. Yeah. But it's so much easier. You know, they give you a <laughs> Like, there's a simple solution. We're just going to yeah. get rid of all the immigrants in our country And everything's going to go back to perfect, Pleasantville type living. Everything's going to be great again. Mm -hmm. Simple solutions. Mm -hmm. Ours, you have to learn a lot. Uh, You have to see all the systems and their mechanics and how they've given way. You got to learn history. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, Aaron. You know, you, you said something that really, that just clarified something to me that Not that this doesn't exist on the left, it certainly does. But I think my my personal evolution in politics, you can sort of draw a line between seeing the right as a boogeyman and then 
then realizing they're just a, a distraction <laughs> and an obstacle to overcome. The Koch brothers are not great people, sure, but like they're not it. But the, the right yeah. sees George Soros yeah. as this like singular embodiment of you know, funding the entire movement. And actually, I think that's to their detriment. <laughs> when you start to move past that, I feel like you can get more work done because there's certainly a, a faction of the left that wants to see Trump as a boogeyman, even though he's you know mm-hmm. not in power anymore, who wants to see, well, at, at Mitch McConnell, like pick your boogeyman, right? Like you can kind of have this whole, this, this buffet of boogeyman on the right. But that's not really helpful in the fight for what we actually want. And the, the faster we can kind of like, not that we shouldn't acknowledge and address those issues, but they're not the focal point. Like eye on the prize, get people housing, get people healthcare. <laughs> like, yes, you have to deal with these obstacles along the way, but it's not, oh, if only Mitch McConnell didn't exist, everything would be easier. No, 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 no. <laughs> that is not the world we live in. If it wasn't him, it would be no. someone else. Right. And the real through line of this article that we're pulling from is that they don't have anything to stand for. And and so they are left with standing against liberalism, whatever it is. And so creating boogeymen and making people scared is sort of like their whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that is why they function that way. So, you know, I mean, Amanda, when you say it's to their detriment, like it's to their detriment in terms of like forming a, a cohesive concept of conservatism that makes some sort of sense in terms of governing a country, but in in terms of like doing what they want to do, which is just scaring people, it works pretty well. Right. And we have an actual, like we want to accomplish things. They don't want to accomplish things. They just want to tear things down. So in that case, yes, that's, that's, if they actually wanted to do something (laughs) governance wise, that would, yeah. So moving ahead into the 90s, uh, talking about creating boogeyman, now that you know the Cold War is winding down, quote, Pat Buchanan deftly shifted mid-sentence in his infamous 1992 speech at the Republican National Convention from the Cold War to the Cultural War, saying, quote, religious war for the soul of America – He suggested that the fight against liberalism, feminism, and the gay agenda was not just the equivalent, but in fact, the continuation of the Cold War itself. Man. Wow. I didn't get that far in the article. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help but laugh every time I hear a gay agenda. Just uh, makes me giggle a little bit. But... You know, I do think that is it for today's free sample. Paying members are who make this entire show possible. And so these bonus episodes and the bonus clips that go in our regular episodes are all just to say thanks to them for their support. And we've been in a drought of advertisements on the show for a while now, which means we are all the more grateful for every single member who signs up. If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com slash support or from right inside the Apple Podcast app. If you can't afford a membership, I offer financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email and we'll get you all set up. As always, thanks for listening and thanks for your support. 